Hi, this is Nitina Fontana, and this is the Disney Film Project. This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. They could be Lucasfilm, Marvel, Pixar, Disney Toon Studios, Walt Disney Productions, Muppet Films, all of it we touch on here on this show and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you're about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find all kinds of great content, including reviews of the recent Blu-ray and DVD releases, historical short content, uh, and all the latest news about Disney films and what's going on in the world of Disney filmed entertainment. So make sure you check that out at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining us as always, we have our fine film experts. First of all, there is Mr. Todd Perlmutter, uh, who I believe is the world's one and a half most wanted criminal. Yeah, it's it's I just like I average out, you know. It's all right. It's very depressing. Yeah. I I don't wear monkey outfits or whatever that is, lemur outfits. You no know lemur outfit. No. no. I, I I can attest to this. I've the fur makes me you. itch, you know. Right, right. Terrible. Sure, it Terrible. makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we have with us the one and only Miss Rachel Kolb, who you can find at JustPressPlay.net. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing okay tonight. Um, I wish I could have gotten to see this movie a second time around before filming the podcast, but that's just a little bit a little bit selfish on my part. So, oh, understandable. Because I can't get enough of the Muppets. Understandable, completely. And, of course, our fine producer who keeps things going around here and uh, makes sure that we are taking care of business is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me slash CherylP3 or on Twitter at CherylP3. How are you, Cheryl? Doing good. You'll have to forgive me not bringing, not bringing my deluxe badge with me. I brought the mini, the mini, the mini badge instead. I the travel the, badge? The travel badge. <laughs> yep, understandable. Yeah, you don't want to, t- you know, t- bring that big thing and lug it around all all over the place. So, and you know, like I can Rachel, understand that. And like Rachel, I do wish I could have seen this twice as well. It was just not on my schedule, <laughs> but I definitely would would like to see this twice because I want to make sure it gets more money. People, yeah. if you just don't haven't seen it, please go see it. The Mupp- if you don't want the Muppets to go away, go see this movie. Yeah, so as Cheryl alluded to, we are talking today about Muppets Most Wanted, the recent theatrical release uh, of the second of the revival Muppet films, I guess you'd call it, the eighth Muppet film overall, but uh, it is the second since the 2011 uh, version of The Muppets, where it was revived by uh, Nicholas Stoller and James Siegel, directed by James Bobin. So Bobin and Stoller are back. Jason Siegel is featured as a back in this, and that's about it. It's not actually his back. Yeah, it's not him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a stunt double for his back is featured in the, in the film. That's about it. But uh, it's a 
sort of in the vein of if the first one was the Muppet movie, this is more in the vein of the Great Muppet Caper. So if you didn't listen to our podcast on the Great Muppet Caper, you should, because there's a, there's many similarities here. Uh, but as Cheryl mentioned, box office not exactly tearing things up. Uh, got swallowed up by opening weekend of Divergent and uh, a budget of $50 million to make the movie, which is not a lot for, for a film these days. But kids uh, should be watching Divergent, right? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't. Yes. <laughs> did, did you see how they spun this, though, coming out of the weekend, how the Muppets have been spinning this? No. With their, with their new promos? Their new promo is, we're the number one comedy, and as long as Noah doesn't have too many laughs, maybe we can hold on to it for the second week. Nice. <laughs> to, to be fair, so coming out of the first weekend, they made about $60 million, right? Yes. Okay. Um. They were only projecting 20 for that weekend. It's taken them the whole week to get to the 20, but that was their projection. So it's not, right. it's not a total loss from where their projections are. It's just not on target. Right. I mean, it's looking like the movie will probably not make its money back domestically. Uh, and typically speaking, the Muppets have not had in, in recent years, in the original years, they do, they were great overseas, but in recent years, they haven't had huge followings overseas as far as their films have gone. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, like if the movie ends up, I think they, Disney was probably hoping for around a 80, 90 million range. I mean, that's, that's where the last one did. And it's looking like they'll be more like around 60 yeah, so kind of barely covering the budget. But then, I mean, when you count in Blu-ray and merchandise and those sorts of things, I mean, it's not like Disney's going to take a loss on this, so I don't think anybody needs to cry. But to Cheryl's point, the future of the Muppets and how they're used with Disney uh, does rely a lot on uh, on the box office. So if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, first of all, we're going to spoil the whole thing, uh, as we are wont to do. But uh, second of all, please go out and see it. And I, I am with you guys. I would I would probably go see this again. Yeah. I would probably take the Dominic route and just hand out free tickets and <laughs> and pay for standing ovations. Yeah, I, I think people have been unnecessarily hard on this. I've seen a lot of people talk a lot on Twitter specifically about this, and there's a lot of reviewers that I've developed this theory. Okay. Can I, can I give my theory? Uh, so to me, this movie, more so than the last movie – and more so than either Brian Henson's movies, okay, is uh, Jim Henson's sense of humor through and through. Oh, yes. I, 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 I have a few quibbles with that, but for the most part, yes, I agree. Yeah, it, it's got that – I mean it's not perfect. I mean he had a different – he had a way of digging underneath something to scoop it out. This is a little right. bit more in your face. Okay, yes. I, I do agree with that. But the puns and the concepts are much closer than Jason Siegel was. Okay, because Jason Siegel's movie, The The Muppets, was um, his sense of humor. It is not that Jim Henson's sense of humor throughout that movie, if you sit down and watch it again. Right. Okay, so that's that's very clear, and I think they've gone back to that. But I think what this proves is people like The Muppets, but they don't necessarily like Jim Henson's sense of humor. I I would agree with that. I think the argument I had with that was basically that I think much like the last film and my biggest complaint about the last film was that they spent a lot of time denigrating the Muppets in in a Muppet film, which Jim Henson would never do. Um, and there's a lot of time spent on that in this film as well, where they're basically saying that the Muppets are no good and that nobody likes them. 
Uh, and I just really have a problem with that. I don't like that. I mean, like the point you just alluded to, Rachel, of, uh, you know, and we're kind of jumping into a key plot point, but where Dominic bad guy is, uh, you know, paying people to go see the Muppets, um, I think undermines, you basically have told the audience in the last film and this film that this, these characters are not worth seeing. That was the entire message of the last film was nobody really likes these guys. And well, to be, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, the point, like at the point when he's uh, paying for people to go see it and like paying to sell out the the show, um, that's when the Muppets are completely let loose and they they don't have Kermit to rein them in and to right. appeal to their their best strengths to be the, basically their editor and say no, this works and this doesn't. Yeah, no, and, and I I get the point. I, I get the point they're trying to make, but if you like, like Todd said, I watched the last film to get ready for this one, and if you go from one to the other, like basically the point you get is that the Muppets are not good enough. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's my biggest issue that I have with the whole thing. There's some other stuff like the the crazy European jokes, the Ty Burrell jokes about him being on vacation all the time. I didn't find those very funny. Like, the first one was kind of funny, and then, like, the rest of it, I thought, was oh. just sort of pointless. <laughs> yeah, it got, um, it got old quick, and it comes up, like, four times in the movie. Right. But yeah. when, you're, when we're dealing with pure Muppet humor, like, the Muppets talking to each other, or the Muppets, you know, doing interaction with each other, or with uh, Tina Fey or Ricky Gervais especially, I am totally with you there in that this is, like, a Jim Henson humor-type movie. I think this is honestly the most likable that Ricky Gervais has been in any project. I also wanted to add that Ricky Gervais looks better than he has in a few years right yes. now. I mean, he looks yeah. fantastic in this movie. He, you know, I think the beard was a good choice. I, he slimmed down a little bit, so he looks actually really good. Because you got really worried about him for a while there. Yeah, if I gave him much thought, I would have been worried about him. You're well, you, yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but like, like we were saying, I mean, the the key thing, right, is the uh, Muppets, the the revival movie, was about Gary, Mary, and Walter. Uh, this movie, right. well, Walter kind of sort of plays a big part at the end, right? It's not about him, and it's really is about the Muppets, but. They get lost because Kermit disappears and Constantine shows up. And so, like Rachel was yeah. saying, they get lost for much of the movie. But that's okay because I, I, I kind of sort of feel that was the plot. Yeah. So I I'm think a- I think there's it's it's a it's a case of like they basically paired off the the leads of the film are the three human characters and then Constantine, Kermit, and Sam basically. And they have those three pairs kind of carry the whole film. And so to your point, the rest of the Muppets cast gets a little lost in this. Yes. In fact, I mean, they make, they say that during, yep. during the first, one of the first scene, one of the, one of the scenes we'll get to. Yeah. We can talk about it right now. <laughs> Cause it's, actually, yeah. cause it's actually brought up a lot in the, in the bad reviews. I found the same joke, right? It's so like one guy made this and everybody copied it, but I figured I would mention it um, yeah. is, is, the line from we're doing a sequel is everybody knows that the sequel's never quite as good and everybody in like every bad review literally points out that that made it a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm not convinced of that. I'm I'm just saying it's it's easy to say that and not look at the whole. 
Oh, I yes. was talking about the quitting the Muppets and the, and the oh. and um, Rizzo, 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 yes. leave, Rizzo leaving makes no sense to me. Robin, <laughs> I can get. Robin was only in one movie. I can get him going. Rizzo was in like two movies. He was like the main character. Well, to be fair, the reason why Robin um, doesn't he doesn't speak right. He just kind of pops on screen and Rizzo he says did so. Speak. And well, he, I, I don't think they've assigned him a voice yet because it, remember um, the guy who died, right? Who the movie's uh, dedicated to, right? Jerry Nelson. He was the voice of Robin. Yeah. And I just don't think they've recast Robin yet, like like Ralph had in um, what is it, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol? He didn't speak for the yep. similar reasons because Jim had just right. died. So I think that might be what's going on with Robin. As for Rizzo, the Rizzo joke worked. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great joke. Really? No, because he had been in Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol. Right, but the point is that he he had almost no role in either the last the last movie or this movie. That was the point he was making. I sound like he had no movie no role in any of the movies. Was was the way it came out to me. Oh. Okay, that's, that's, that's fair. That's the way I, I saw it came out. And, um, Todd, they did assign a new a new voice to Robin. Um, it's Matt Vogel who did the voice of Constantine, Floyd Pepper, Swims, Pops, yeah. Lou, Crazy Harry, A's Robot, Camilla, and Uncle Deadly. I, I'm aware. Uh, uh, he's actually picked up most of Nelson's voices Yeah. at this point. So that's, that's true, but... I'm just guessing that they really didn't necessarily cement it yet because Robin was one of those special characters, right? And they kind of take longer on the special characters is what I was getting at. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I think I think I, I'm with Cheryl in that, you know, like the joke, I, I liked the joke and the joke was funny, but it also to me kind of plays into that humor. Like the the movie is to me, self-referential in a different way than Henson was. Like, when we talked about Great Muppet Caper, like, I, I got cracked up at the fact that they kept referencing the fact that they were in a movie, and everybody realized that they were playing versions of themselves, and, you know, Kermit turning his back to the camera and kind of comforting Piggy as real Kermit, not movie Kermit. Like, I felt like that joke is referential in a way that's that denigrates the characters, as opposed to being you know, funny, making fun of the fact that they're in a movie, if that makes sense. Right. I, I, I don't think that they've found this magic uh, screenwriter yet for the Muppets. And it might, if it gets to get another movie, which I hope it does, I, it might take that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the fine line that they have to walk is that in the Muppet show, the whole joke was that they're not necessarily the best performers, but that when they all come together and work together, they can put on a good show. Right. Um, but that, you know, on their own, or if they give into their lesser, you know, like their uh, lesser creative instincts, that they will, you know, just become silly and goofy and not really all that good. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it's a fine line that you have to walk with, referring to that and showing that they're not necessarily the best performers, but also not being mean to those characters at the same time and denigrating them, like you said, Ryan. 
Yeah, yeah I think, and I think it's there's a lot of time spent. I mean, you've got, and there's nothing against the human actors in the film because I think they all do really great jobs and they're all really really funny. Um, but you've got those three characters and Constantine added to the mix here that that carry the majority of the screen time, right? If you add those four up, which means that people like Gonzo and Fozzie barely have a role in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, well, one interesting thing is usually the bad guy in a movie maybe gets one song, and the bad guy actually has two full numbers in this movie, right. if you look at it. So it's, you're right. I mean, Constantine gets a lot of screen time. You know, so he, he's, I guess he's the new Walter in that way. Yeah, which which I don't I don't mind necessarily if he worked. I, I don't like the like I think there were certain things about the character of Constantine that I thought were hilarious. Like when he was trying to act like Kermit, I thought he was hilarious. Like yeah. I laughed out loud anytime he was trying to do his Kermit voice or do some of those sorts of things. <laughs> when he's just being himself, I. Like, I didn't care about him. I, mean, I was like, much more interested in Ricky Gervais. <laughs> you mean like yeah, Charles, I, Charles' favorite line? The lovers, the dreamers, and cheese? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that Dominic as a character... Dominic and uh, Constantine work better when they're together. I think that if they continue having Constantine in the movies, they're they're going to have to find someone like, like uh, Ricky Gervais to pair him with. Uh, because, yeah, I... He, I don't know if he's necessarily a really strong character just on his own. Right. Agreed. Agreed. The, I the think one... he is a strong character when he's with Piggy and Kermit. Um, I want since we're talk since we're sorry, Rachel got me into this, so that's fine. Let me finish. Yeah, no, um, go ahead. Because one of the things that I'd seen doing prep for the one during this um podcast is um an interview with. Piggy, Constantine, and Kermit, and that see, that interview seemed to flow. Although it was a, I think it was a text interview. I'm not sure if I watched it or not. Don't remember that. <laughs> so, but um, that interview seemed to flow well. So maybe it's he has to interact within the space he's in, and or maybe he has to interact maybe with like the Muppets or something like <laughs> that would be you know. I guess I guess if we're going next, we're going into space, right? Are we? Where are we? Where? What's the next I, movie in Muppet? Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah, it would be Manhattan. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I Which, mean, he could become a crime boss and maybe work with this Muppet, this underground Muppet crime people. I don't know. That's my idea, folks. You can steal at Disney. Go ahead. Um, but um, I definitely think he has to be working. I agree with Rachel. With somebody else, I'm not sure that has to be a person, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you are following some of the goings-on with Disney Theatrical, though, and a certain preview that they did last spring with uh, stage director Alex Timbers with the Muppets, they might be considering something here in New York that might yeah. not be a movie, might be a stage show. Which I, I think I think would be perfect like if if you could do the muppet show on broadway i mean like think of all the the celebs that you could get to come do a one night fill in in exactly. that show oh my gosh i i that's the thing that excites me the most about this notion some of the some of the celebrities that they could get well in this yeah. movie alone they have like 37 
<laughs> cameos in the movie, yes. right? which is more than I think any other Muppet movie. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and like what they said was, because I listened to a Q&A with um, Bobin and Stoller, and, they, and somebody asked them, well, how did you get all these books to do it? And they said, basically, we just, about half of them we asked, and the other half, when they found out we were doing the movie, asked us. Like, people want to do this stuff. Like, they, they, people love the Muppets, especially, you know, people who are into comedy and who like stuff like this. Um, and, I, like, half the cameos, I think most people probably don't even see because they just kind of fly by. It's not like it's not like the Muppet movie where they kind of take a second to focus the, the camera on Steve Martin or Mel Brooks or Richard Pryor. It's just, you know, here's Chloe Moretz hanging off the back of a newspaper truck throwing out newspapers and off she goes. Yeah, that was one point I brought up to um, Todd because um, Tony Bennett was in this movie. Yeah, and yep. I I I totally missed him because I and then the singing guy I thought the singing guy was Tony Bennett because they didn't tell you I mean <laughs> they didn't the, tell in, you who right, it was because knew he was going to be in the movie right and all I knew was the singer <laughs> all I knew was he was going to be in the movie and he sings and then and right, I did not know Josh Groban was in this movie <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know to the end that wait that wasn't Tony Bennett and I had missed Tony Bennett. <laughs> Tony Bennett was in it twice, too, because he was stuck on the wall at the end. Well, I had seen him stuck on the wall at the end, but no yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick question. Everyone's yeah. favorite cameo from the movie? What, what was everyone's favorite? Uh, I would go with Zach Galifianakis as Hobo Joe. <laughs> I'd go with Danny Trejo. Um, I, I I'm gonna go with the one that I felt was the was the best joke ever in out of all the cameos, which was Usher as the wedding usher. <laughs> that was, was funny. <laughs> Rachel, um, I really did love Danny Trejo as Danny Trejo, but I have to say, I think my favorite was Stanley Tucci as Ivan the Guard. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. By by the way, for people who don't know who Danny Trejo is, he's the um. Very shady-looking um, Hispanic gentleman with the tattoos that's in the gulag. Okay, he has. He was a at one point in time in his life. He was a real criminal who served jail time. And when he got out, he reformed and became an actor. And he is uh, most known for playing a character named Machete that has been in like a zillion movies, including having his own. Uh, he was Uncle Machete in the Spy Kids movies for people who watch those movies. <laughs> You know, so and uh, he's just like a bit actor that you've seen a lot of stuff and, you know, just everybody they had as the gulag <laughs> crime people were amazing. Well, <laughs> I don't know what else you, to have say. Have you heard how he got into acting in the first place? I did not. It was an entirely accidental thing. He was actually um, a sponsor for someone and they had called them up and said, hey, can you get down here? There's, you know, some shady stuff involved and I feel like I'm going to relapse. So he comes down and it turns out that they're on a movie set. And the director just liked the look of him so much that he asked him, hey, do you want to be in this scene? And now, obviously, as you pointed out, very recognizable guy to a lot of people. Yeah. Definitely. He's, he's, he's very enjoyable. And he's funny, too, and he speaks clearly, and he's got great diction, and you wouldn't expect it from his frame and his build, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, he, he could have been a wrestler. Think about that. Since we're talking about celebrities, let's talk about our Avengers reference. Two, two technically. Everybody want to go with the uh, want to go with the obvious one first? Anyone? Well, Hiddleston. 
right yep. as as the great escape which was i kind of sort a of non-speaking heard, part indeed yes well it's funny i kind of sort of heard that it was that he was the greatest gamer, but I didn't know what it meant because I was avoiding. I'm in this phase where I want to avoid spoilers as much as possible, so I really didn't know. And when it happened, I was like, it was absolutely hysterical. Um, also, technically, Ty Burrell, right? Yes. Right, everybody. Does everyone remember what how Ty Burrell is related? No. 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 He he played my favorite uh, Hulk character. I actually like a character. In, oh, yes. In yes, The Incredible Hulk. In The Incredible Hulk. He was Leonard Sampson, or a.k.a. Doc Sampson, which is literally <laughs> yeah. my favorite of all the um, Hulk-related characters. Also, he's done Captain Marvel in the Superhero Squad show. Has he? See? Even better. There you go. I couldn't find a Star Wars reference, but I'm sure there is one. I, I'm with the number of people who worked on this movie. I'm really sure there is one, is one. But you if can also not, just say you can also Frank, just say the Henson Company, right? We can use, and, yeah, Frank Oz. Yeah. <laughs> and they're and they're still casting the new movie, so we might retroactively have some people that are Star Wars references later. Yeah, it's true. There is, in fact, that. I um, could see James McAvoy as a as a Jedi. <laughs> and, and am I the only one? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can see that. Yeah, no, I, I'm not disagreeing. It's just kind of like weird. I wasn't expecting it. I'm just saying. Uh, or Cersei uh, Ronan, who's the ballet dancer. Uh, if you've seen her in uh, Han, I could definitely see her as um, as a Jedi or a Sith. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For sure. All right, so um, let's let's talk briefly about the plot of the film because I think everyone uh, everyone knows the plot basically because if you saw the trailer, you get it. Um, the plot is uh, fairly straightforward. I'll kind of give the the quick overview and then we can start talking about it more in depth. But uh, Kermit is the you know Kermit and the Muppets. The the film picks up literally right after. Uh, the end of the last film, uh, like as soon as that musical number is is up, uh, it is, you know, the the film picks up right from there, and it's you see as we talked about earlier, Jason Siegel's back and Amy Adams back. It's not actually them, but the Muppets are right there behind it, um, and so they're asking what are they going to do next, and they determine that they're going to do a sequel, uh, which leads into a musical number of we're doing a sequel. <laughs> uh, which I thought was extremely funny, even if it is a little bit, you know, it's 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 on that line that you were talking about, Rachel, of a little bit denigrating the characters. But in this one, I felt like it worked well enough. Yeah, and plus, it's it's very similar to Hey, a movie from the Great Muppet Caper, so a nice throwback to some old-fashioned yeah. uh, Muppets. I, I liked um, how they were doing the dressing; they're just kind of constantly walking at you. And dancing like the entire number. <laughs> yes, <Right>? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's just kind of very funny because they're like they're in places I don't even know how they got to <laughs> at times. So, um, yeah. Well, it, one of the things is um, when they were talking about it, Stoller kind of sort of said when he wanted when he left off at the movie, he was answering the and knew that Siegel wasn't going to come back. He kind of want that was the question he was left with is the one that the movie is based on, which is what do we do next? Because he didn't really know what to do with the Muppets next, and he admitted that. So this is his way of just – he just kept asking that question as he wrote the movie. Yeah. So. 
Also, did anyone catch the uh, the seventh seal reference? Yeah. Yes, which was hilarious. <laughs> the Swedish, Swedish chef. chef in the seventh seal. Like, I I kind of want to see that movie. Talking about um, deli- talking about the Swedish chef since we're mentioning him, um, I do want to sign something I thought was funny. Is I found the Swedish chef battles Gordon Ramsay. Yes, <laughs> and I it was so funny because they have to keep bleeping Gordon Ramsay out. Yes, <laughs> because he swears like a sailor. <laughs> And it was so funny. He's like, "What are you saying?" She's like, "What are you saying?" He's like, "I can't tell you because that's leaving me out." Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a kids show. <laughs> I just thought that was so hilarious. It was funny. Yeah, that's the thing. So that, that it brings up a good point, though. That I mean, it's a digression, but like, whenever you see the Muppets out doing press for the movie, I feel like it's as funny or funnier than the movie itself. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, like Sam interviewing um, Celine Dion. Yes. <laughs> You're not or from like, America. Like, or like the Muppets on Jimmy Fallon, you know, on his last show. Like I thought that was great. Or uh, you know, anytime you see Kermit and Piggy out doing interviews, you know, uh, like I feel like the perform the Muppet per- performers are so great at improv, and I feel like that's sort of what is a little bit lost in these in the last two films. I don't feel like you're getting as much of that as much as you're getting the script's humor, if that if that makes sense. Did you see the press event where Ricky Gervais was? I, I think he nearly peed his pants. He was like laughing so hard uh, because. Um, he asked Kermit about the fact that uh, him and Miss Piggy didn't have any kids yet and what was, you know, going to happen once <laughs> they did have kids. <laughs> and Kermit's response was that they hadn't consummated that experiment yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although Which this movie has hilarious. a good allusion to it, though. It yes. does. It does. It's a little creepy, yeah. but it's a good illusion. <laughs> More than creepy, yeah. But um, does, wait, don't they do it? Okay, this is my question, and yep. I I know I haven't they done this in another movie? Is shown his his I'll use the word spawn. <laughs> it was it was well, that is correct for a frog. Um, it was uh, in Muppet Christmas Carol, but they're kids that are are normal looking pigs and normal looking frogs. I remember seeing like tadpoles. Does tadpoles. anyone else remember tadpoles? No. Okay. That's me then. <laughs> I remember Muppet Babies. Maybe. Maybe that was it. Yeah. And they also kind of alluded to something like that with the great Muppet caper with the fact that uh, that Fozzie and uh, Kermit are twins in that movie and what their father would look like for in order for them to be twins. Yes. yes. I think, I think I th- I'm thinking Muppet Sick Manhattan... Because I I don't know I will have to watch it again because I just I I enjoy the I enjoy the fake wedding there more than I enjoy the fake wedding in this movie. Well, I didn't. Oh, I have I have some thoughts about the wedding. Yeah, go no go ahead, Rachel, because I didn't understand the point of it. So I would love to to discuss. Well, we can get there when we get there. We're not even. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, oh no, we're jumping around a bit, but that's what we do with the new movies, right? Because we don't want to, you know, it's it's a little harder for us to, like you guys said, we haven't gone back and watched it a couple of times. But so the basic setup is right after the we're doing a sequel song, Ricky Gervais uh, as Dominic Badgee. (laughs) 
uh, spelled bad guy, pronounced bad yi. Uh, Which gives one of the best lines in the whole movie later on. <laughs> yeah, uh, he offers to be their manager and take them on a world tour. While like Kermit's the, a little skeptical, right? He doesn't want to do that. I like how this how his business card actually says the word lemur. As you, as you, if you, yes, <laughs> yes. So, so, so the so we all know that that this is the lemur. When it was, right. when that comes up, we all know it. <laughs> I don't think you're. It, it's it's very telegraphed, right? Because on TV, the lemur is number two. In here, he's number two, and they're both number two to Constantine. So it's pretty obvious where it's going. The whole movie, right. and you're yeah, just and wait. he keeps leaving the coins. That's right, and he's the one who keeps mm-hmm. leaving the coins too. Exactly. I mean, I don't. It's kind of sort of like in the Great Muppet Caper, where you know Nikki is the bad guy the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and so the the you know Ricky Gervais being Ricky Gervais, he's able to talk them into doing the world tour over Kermit's objections, basically. Uh, and we find out almost immediately because he hops on the phone with Constantine, uh, who is the he looks just like Kermit except he's got a mole. And he has broken out of a Siberian gulag and blowing things up along the way. Now, this this was another issue that I had with the movie. Okay, um, I did I did like the the breakout scene and Constantine's breaking out and blowing things up was funny, but like him the the times where he is, you know, doing kung fu or whatever he's doing to break out of the the prison, and when he's doing the dance number with Ricky Gervais later, that didn't feel very Muppet like to me because they're basically blue screen now it was all performed by a a puppeteer and it was all blue screen they blue screened out the puppeteer but like and i realized that henson probably couldn't do that back in the day but it just feel it felt a little off like it took me out of the movie for a second where i'm like that's weird no no henson always used to do blue screen stuff because even in um the Muppet movie when they're like there's scenes like when they're dancing on stage so they're the composites with the blue screen. Ah, oh, well. gotcha. Yep. Yeah, it's just here. Here the CG work. Here they're using CG work to do the composites. Back then they would do the composites by hand. That's the only fundamental difference. But there are no Muppets in this movie that are computer animated whatsoever. Right. Yeah. No, that's not be confused on that. I actually have a quick quote from James Bobbin about this. Uh, He said, my rule of thumb is that there has to always be puppeteering involved. I never want to do a fully animated Muppet film because it feels wrong. You know, my daughter comes up and sits and hugs Kermit and I love that idea. Uh, He he laid it down that as long as he's involved with it, they're not going to be doing CGI, which makes me very happy. It also makes it sound like there's not going to be animated either. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I, I don't. I, it was just weird. I guess you're right. They're, they did blue screen in, in the past, but like it was odd to see a Kermit-shaped figure jumping around the screen like that. It didn't. It looked awkward. I yeah, the, the, yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't move like like when Fozzie moves around. Even when Animal moves around, and you see him fully in the end of the movie, right? right. I mean. Animal looks like he's legitimately moving, right? They all, the three of them, when they're walking through Siberia, right? <laughs> um, we'll we'll get to that when we get there. Um, but you're right. When he's in, in his um, number in the number one, number two song, I don't what I don't know what the titles of the songs are yet. I haven't listened to it's, them. It's I'm yet. number one is the name of oh, the song. Okay. Yep. Um, he, I mean, when he's doing things like he's dancing on the poles and stuff like that, 
And I get it. It's supposed to be that he's, you know, Wonder Frog, basically, right? Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, that's why when he's breaking out of prison, I mean, we, we glossed over it, but basically he's doing Black Widow from Iron Man 2 while he's yeah, breaking out much, of prison. Yes. Okay. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, it's like almost the exact same movements at point in time. Um, here's what I find funny. So um, there's a lot of prison movie references in the movie. We don't have to go through every single reference, but... But the one that comes up more than any other movie is Shawshank Redemption. It is, yeah. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right? because when Constantine breaks out of prison in the beginning, he does that thing where he comes up out under the water and pushes himself out of the mud. Yep. Right? Yep. And then, um, and then later on, when Kermit's trying to bust out of the gulag, right, he puts the picture on the wall just like he did in Shawshank Redemption. And also, yeah, Escape from Alcatraz, but, you know. There was another movie that also had it, but it was a kid's movie, though. Another I've one? seen, I've, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it, I've, I've seen it, and I've never seen any of those two movies that you've mentioned. Okay. So I'm sure I'm, I think it's some. I, I forget where I've seen the gag, but because I would say they, this is nothing where parents and kids may not get it, but I think kids would have gotten it because there. I think there's, you know, again, some reference. Again, I can't think of it right. now. Yeah, well, that's definitely a prison movie trope, though, the whole notion of, yeah, digging out. Like, these might, movies might have been the first to do it, but it, it shows up a lot. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Well, I'm, right. I mean, The Great Escape is mm-hmm. all about the entire camp escaping, right? From, yeah. Uh, right, and and that's all digging. But um, it, it's just one of those, you know, things. Well, it's it just the way they do it, and she makes the comment later on, I've seen every prison movie, even the space ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny in that respect. I, does anyone feel? I, I mean, I know we kind of started touching it, but does anyone feel like like the Kermit's point at the end of the movie is really like valid? Right. Which point? <laughs> the one where he go where he yells at them. He means you mean the entire time I've been gone, nobody but animal knew that I was. Oh, that I was well, Walter knew. Well, well, see, this is my. I'm gonna yell at Kermit. Yeah. Walter knew. No, Walter didn't know until... Walter, Walter, and, Walter suspected the whole time. What are you talking about? He knew Walter something suspected was, was something was up. He knew something was up, but he didn't think that Kermit had been replaced, I don't think. I don't think, you know, because based on the... the by the way, the fact that the whole plot is foiled by guacamole... Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's genius, because it's like guacamole that's the exact same color as Kermit, which is, makes it even well, no, better. No, it was glue. It was like a glue. No, no, no. Uh, Fozzie's eating his sandwich, and he and oh, he yeah. drips oh, guacamole okay, yeah, on the picture, that. and suddenly that's Sorry. right. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's all right. Which that's another trope of crime movies: the thing of that someone's eating something, or that they're like drinking their coffee, and they pick up their cup, and there's like the circle left there, and it just happens to point to the clue that they need. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that's definitely a big throwback. Happens a lot on crime dramas on TV, actually. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, 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 there's there's a lot of um, 
like there's a lot of issues with the plot per se, but I think it, even in listening to, um, like I said, the the Q and A that I heard with with Boban and Stoller, like they weren't so concerned with the plot, and I think that's the right way to go with a Muppet movie. I mean, like we talked about Great Muppet Caper, like it, the story is not tight and it's not, you know, it, it's silly. That and that's what it should be, right? That that's the Muppets. It's more about like how do we make the best. How do we have the most fun on this journey rather than how are we telling the most tight, you know, tightly plotted mystery? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So they, the, the first place the Muppets stop on their world tour is they take the train from Los Angeles to Berlin, like you do. Backwards. Backwards. Yes. That's, that is true. <laughs> Driven by Beauregard. Um, I want to find that train because I'd like to take that train. Uh you know, Kermit gets them a small venue, but then Dominic flies in this big prestigious location right next door to the National Museum. And the rest of the team uh, is is basically asking Kermit to do all kinds of crazy things. And Dominic is telling them they should be able to do these things, sort of undermining Kermit the whole way along. Uh, and this is that was my favorite joke in the whole movie is Dominic coming up to Kermit and, and handing him the the map that's like, here, go walk around the sewer canal. You know, and it basically, if you if you've watched any old uh, noir films like The Third Man or things like that, like they lifted the entire thing um, from those kinds of movies, and it was just hilarious. Like why him? You know, Kermit walking through these you know dimly lit streets with foreign languages and uh, you know fog rolling in and everything. I mean, it's taken right out of you know old noir films from the '30s. Yeah. Also, the map is hand drawn, which is should have been a clue. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and, and this is all, of course, a setup for Constantine to come up, slap a, a, a mole on Kermit's cheek and, and escape and let Kermit be arrested and taken back to jail in his place. Um, because he's an evil in Froggen, according to the eyewitness. <laughs> oh, and I have a blink of and you miss it uh, cameo here. Miranda Richardson is the, uh, the woman at the window that very quickly shuts it. When uh, when Constantine shows up, oh nice, cool, yeah. So yeah, Constantine comes in and, and shows up, and uh, everybody accepts that he's Kermit. Which again, it's a very silly premise because he talks and acts nothing like Kermit. So to your point, Todd, like the rest of the Muppets are, or Kermit is very justified in being upset that the rest of the Muppets <laughs> didn't recognize it wasn't him. My my, uh, fav- my favorite thing that he messes up the entire movie is that he never once calls Fozzie Fozzie. He always calls him Fonzie. Yes. <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't say hi-ho. He says, he goes, hi-lo. Yes. <laughs> No, I love Constantine when he's pretending to be Kermit. Like I said, like that's funny. Or when, uh, like when, when Piggy barges in after this, you know, later on, and he's like, "Oh, I was evilly plotting. You don't interrupt me when I'm evilly plotting." You know, that, like that part's funny. But when he, like later on, as they're doing the show, and he's he and uh, Gervais are trying to steal a bunch of paintings, like. He just there's nothing there's no there you know what I mean he's just sort of a, a plot device at that point when he's trying to introduce the Muppets and he gets stage fright or when he's trying to do his hello Kermit the Frog here you know that 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 made me laugh that was better than him 
<laughs> I've been doing Kermit for 15 years. It's hard for me to do it wrong. Uh, to to the point of the move of the movie, and circling back to what we were talking about, is very early on, two people like Walter has suspicions, but two uh, creatures in the movie, I should say, yes. know right off the bat that um, Constantine is not Kermit. Okay, one is uh, Fru Fru, Piggy's dog, right? Yes. And the other is yep. Animal, who does, who also goes up and smells him and goes, bad froggy, right? He bites him. He bites him. He, he bites his arm. Him. That's right. He bites his arm. But what's funny is, at that point for the rest of the movie, Constantine and Dominic never refer to him as Animal here first. They always refer to him as their dog for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and they're talking about Animal, not Fru-Fru. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I thought that it's just like I said, the little gags that they just keep at are funny, except for the one with Ty Burrell, the one joke with the vacations, which I agree gets is funny the first time and not the rest of the times. Well, it's it's like it, it, it's sort of like it's like that joke to me is similar to the ones of that they put where they poke fun at the Muppets. Like it's unnecessarily mean. Like the Muppets can be mean. Like it's not that they can't. Uh, they are in some of their other films, but it's mean with a smile. Like, yeah. and that joke is just like, like you said, the first time it's funny, and then it's just mean. Like, I think that there are ways to make the European American clash jokes, like when when they show up um, after the 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 paintings are stolen, uh, and and you know the badge jokes. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, the the trying to one up each other with the badge, or the the little the tiny Interpol car. Like, I thought that was funny. Right. Well, he, he, he's named Jean-Pierre Napoleon, and so it, he's, he's named after Inspector Clouseau, who is Pierre Clouseau, and he's named after – and he's got Napoleon as the last name. So he's, he's basically playing Inspector Clouseau with a Napoleon complex. Right. Yep. Which is the whole – which is the entire – which I actually think that part of the character is ingenious. Yes. Right? The over-French – the overly French poking fun like, like the vacation stuff is a bit much. Well, I thought I thought the the best joke of that of that you know contrast was him drinking from the tiny 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 coffee cup and Sam drinking from the giant coffee cup. Like I thought that was funny. Well, it's funny because it's dissing on French culture, right? And it's dissing on American culture at the same time because the people don't really realize this, but what we in America drinking called coffee, the Europeans make fun of. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay, because we are we're drinking the stuff that they throw out. Pretty okay. Much. Mm-hmm. And we also drink it in these gigantic glasses, and they always drink espressos in these tiny glasses. So that's that's the the joke. Is that's like a perfect scene because it's hitting both cultures at the same time. Yeah, and it's not. They don't hit you over the head with it. It's just funny if you look at it and you see this giant man drinking from a tiny cup and this little muppet drinking from a huge cup. Like that's funny in and of itself. And then if you get the cultural difference, that's the whole other layer. Like that's to me. Like that's where the muppet humor works the best. There's, there's, by the way, not one, not two, but three instances of Chekhov's gun in the movie. Okay. Right, we already discussed one of them, right, which is the fact that the, that number two is the same, right, and the bad, the bad guy really was the bad guy, right? That's a Chekhov's gun, right? Right. Okay. The other one is the Muppet ladder gag. Yes, yep. okay. Right? Yeah. And uh, Bunsen Honeydew's bomb-attracting suit that Beaker yes. wears. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Good All point. of which play into the movie plot. So I, I, I thought that was very clever of them. Because usually you don't get too much of that in a movie, but it's funny to have them in a comedy 
and actually all work well? Because I thought all three actually worked well. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I was very happy. The the one that I didn't expect to come back was the uh, the Bunsen Honeydew magnetic bomb suit. I did not expect that one to actually come back, and I'm glad no. it did. Yeah, it was it was a great suit. Hey, I hope we get to. You know how they parade the stuff around sometimes. Like I hope that's something we someday get to see, like parading around somewhere where yes. we can, like you know go up and see it. What the Agreed. bomb suit? Yeah, like at the Animation Academy and uh, or at the back the backlot tour. Backlot tour, just standing there. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, and that in the area, yeah. Well, it's all villains still, isn't it? Or did they stop it being all villains? I don't know. We'd have to talk with our friend Shane. He he could tell you. He, he works there, yeah. By the way, you want to know something funny about the movie? So they're trying to steal the crown jewels, right? Right. And and the and uh, the lemur, Gervais's character, bad guy or bad guy, okay, and um, Constantine, they're following the trail of uh, Colonel Blood's locket and key, right? Correct. Because of the, so here... Here's the funny. First of all, it's under lock and key. I thought that was a very funny joke, right? Yep. Okay. The other thing is, is uh, Colonel Blood in real life is the only person to have ever successfully stolen the crown jewels, and then get caught. So this is like they put a real life thing into the Muppet plot, which was very weird. Wait, but they put one other thing into the Muppet plot. What was that? National treasure. <laughs> <laughs> they did national. They did a lot of uh, all the all the stuff. They did a lot of national treasure and a lot of um, Mission Impossible stuff. See, when you mentioned real life things, my first thought was British wedding hats, <laughs> beef eaters. <laughs> Speaking of beef eaters, what's really funny is when Frank Langella comes back as a beef eater vicar. Yes. Right. So, because yes. he's not—he's not just a vicar. He's—he's he's actually in the uh, vestibules of the of the vicars who are actually beef eaters as well. So, that was very funny. Indeed, indeed. I was expecting uh, them to do the princess bride joke, and they didn't do it though. I was—I was waiting for that as well. Yes. <laughs> and they didn't do it. Um, but yeah, so Kermit gets hauled off to the gulag where he meets Tina Fey, who I, I adored in the whole movie. I thought she was great. Yeah. Oh, she was she was fantastic. I think I think honestly, I think Ricky Gervais and Tina Fey played better off the Muppets than Jason Segel did. I would agree with that, and I, I like Jason Segel a lot, but i I think I think they did a better job playing off of the Muppets. The one thing that I don't that I think they dropped the ball on is um, Tina Fey's love thing with Kermit. Yeah. Because they yeah. kind of, like, do it, and they show this big shrine, and then at the end, he just goes, and it's like, okay, what happened to that? I mean, the only thing is, is maybe they, maybe they left it for a sequel? That's the only thing I would see. But otherwise, I could not see. I don't understand why they dropped it like that. It was really weird. Well, I think the point was, one, they were trying to show that she never was fooled either, right? She kept him there because she had a need. She was in love with him and had a use for him, right, yeah. as Kermit. Yeah. She didn't ever think he was actually Constantine. She knew right away. That was what I, I think it was lost because there was no plot buildup to that particular right. thing, okay? Yeah. So it just happens, and it's cute, and it's funny, but they show the shrine once, and you're right. She kisses the picture of him, and then that's the end of it. Um, I, they just don't do much else with it. 
Yeah. But I thought she was I, – I think that was probably part of something that ended up getting cut because I know, again, they, they said that the, the first cut of the film actually came in at like two hours and 15 minutes or so. And it's – for a Muppet movie, this is a long movie. Like this is almost a two-hour movie. It's an, it's 113 minutes. Um, and I think I, I would have to go back and check, but that's probably the longest of the Muppet films, isn't it? I, I would have to check too. But honestly, though, it didn't feel that long. No, not, yeah. not at all. Yeah. No, I agree. It flies by because, you know, as it, like I've complained a few times about certain things, but on the whole, it's really funny. Like there's a gag about every minute or two yeah. that's just laugh out loud funny. When um when Kermit shows up at the uh, gulag and he gets like hoisted up, did anyone catch that uh, Steve Whitmire's actually right there with all the other prisoners? No. <laughs> yeah. No. So because rather than um, ra- rather than try and hide him in the crowd of prisoners, they just dressed him up like a prisoner, and he's actually holding. He looks like he's holding him, but he's actually got his hand inside Kermit. That's pretty cool. Right. So it, it was just a very clever idea there as to hide hide him in plain sight. Very cool. Uh, real quick, before we talk more about the song "The Big House," um, I had a quick note about "I'm Number One." Did this song remind anyone else of another, like, wanting up each other song, like of two people trying to one up each other? It did sound familiar, but I couldn't place it. It kind of reminded me of "Anything You Can Do," like it. It felt very old-fashioned, mm-hmm. like buddy mm-hmm. comedy song, like something that Bing Crosby and Bob Hope would do together, but. Um, it, just as far as the lyrics, it reminded me the most of anything you can do. Huh. Yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, I could see that, definitely. So, yeah, like you said, he, uh, the next song is, is uh, Nadia, the prison guard, played by Tina Fey, sing, sings a whole song about the big house, and uh, it, which is amusing. I think on the whole, I like the songs in this one a little bit better than The Muppets. Um, but nothing is as good as the Muppet movie, the original Jim Henson one. I I would agree with that. I I feel like I am in the minority about that. That most of the reviews I read, people didn't seem to be that excited about the music. But I thought the music throughout uh, Muppets Most Wanted was much stronger than the Muppets. Yeah, even Brett McKenzie himself said he enjoyed doing the music for this movie more because he had a little bit more freedom because he was coming back. Right. My thing is that there's not just the one. There's not one song that hooks you. I mean, there's that weird frog song, yeah. But um, I'm talking like um, what the one with um, Amy Adams and Jason Segel. Oh, happy, life's a happy song. Life's a happy song. Right. There's nothing in there to hook you into the like that. Like to. Be the catch song, right? Yeah, yeah. No, this is much more along, along the lines of like a Broadway musical where all the songs are are plot driven, with the exception of the, you know, the I'm number one song. I don't think that's necessarily that doesn't advance the plot very much, but almost everything else is delivering exposition. Um, so I think it's the songs are more functional in this, and that to me made them more funny. I do have a question for Todd. What was the free song we got from from seeing the movie? 
Oh, it's the one that Constantine sings where I, I can get you what you want, that song. Okay. I think that's the name of it, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. Like I said, I'm still getting used to what the names of the songs are. <laughs> I, I did read that that, uh, the I'll Get You What You Want song, and we're doing a sequel where Brett McKenzie's two favorite songs from the movie, they asked him uh, after seeing the film which ones he thought uh, translated best, and those were the two that he was he was the happiest with. Yeah, and he wrote, um, according to the director, the director and the writer, he wrote, uh, I think, 15 songs, and they ended up with nine in the movie. I think that's what I remember. I can't remember exactly how many there were, but I know he wrote 15, um, but they ended up cutting them uh, for, for the film. Yeah, I think he basically was able to integrate more plot into these songs than in the ones in the Muppets. And I'm, I'm with you, Cheryl. Like there's not one that I'm going to come out that I came out of the theater singing. Um, but I think the songs are funnier here. The, 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 the jokes are better. They also work better with what's being shown throughout the movie, except for in the Muppets with, you know, life's a happy song, which is just the, the, cause that image of the whole town singing and dancing is actually a really clever one for that particular song but like like i feel like yeah. the closest one to that in this movie is the big house song right because yes. it, it's trying to do the same thing as cut but it's at a prison with all the prisoners instead of townspeople although right. some people small towns are prisons <laughs> true <laughs> um i wanted to say before since we're on songs is uh, did anyone notice that the only time in this entire movie that we hear the muppet show it's in spanish yes Okay. I have it yes, in all caps in my notes. Do, do you know why? <laughs> because they're Madrid. Well, here's why. <laughs> because apparently, when they did when they did the Muppets movie, they released a Spanish version of the album called Los Muppets. Okay, for the you know to be released in uh, Spanish speaking countries, and apparently they actually like did a whole special version of the Muppets song in of the Muppet Show song in. Spanish that's on that album, and apparently it skyrocketed on the charts. So that's why they picked it up for the soundtrack for this, the regular soundtrack for this movie. That's fantastic. No, that was that was one of the laugh out loud moments for me. Was because um, it's the next bit in the in the movie is you know um, the the Muppets end up in Madrid. That's the next place they need to go to get the um, the the key for. Uh, of Captain Blood that they need to steal the crown jewels. Like, the, the, the whole plot of the crown jewels and having to get this piece, then this piece, and this piece, I thought was unnecessarily complicated. But I understood, like, you know, they just needed something to, to move move them from place to place. So I wasn't really concerned with it. But, yeah, they end up in Madrid, and, like, Salma Hayek's cameo and her interaction with Gonzo was, was spot-on perfect, and them singing the Muppet Show song in Spanish, like, that was hilarious. So... That was like the best use of Gonzo in the entire film. <laughs> the running of the bull. The fact that he keeps saying it and then finally does it. Yes, the indoor running of the bulls. <laughs> but this is this is where things start to unravel a little bit. Is because Constantine has to keep everyone happy, so he basically tells them that they can do whatever they want, and they ha- that. What leads to the indoor running of the bulls, or uh, Miss Piggy's marathon Celine Dion songs, and and all that kind of stuff. And like you said earlier, Rachel, this is where uh, things start coming undone, and the you know the shows don't don't work as well. And uh, we find out later that that Dominic is paying people to attend the shows. So 
it, it makes sense in retrospect. It's still, I'm still like, but everyone wants to go see the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you guys read about, uh, we, we didn't talk about Christoph Waltz in the first show, um, yes. in the, in the show in Berlin, but did you guys read what, who he was initially supposed to be in the movie? No. Because he was cast in another role before. He was supposed to be Ty Burrell's character. But the problem was that scheduling-wise, they uh, he didn't have enough days to come in and film the part. So they wrote him the cameo for the scene in Berlin, the waltzing with waltz. Which is, which was a good idea. I, I mean, that's what I mean. That's the, that punny nature, it's just, it, it permeates, but it's much more in your face. Yeah, and it feels like something right out of the original Muppet show. Absolutely. But by the way, all the all the gags about like them timing the explosions and the hammer hits to the things that are going on on stage. I I thought that was a really genius way to to handle it. I mean, it's been done in a million movies, right? right. But it was and it, it's even done cuz that's how Kermit ends up breaking out of prison doing the exact same thing. Right? Mhm. Yep. The so working it, in the coal mine. Working in the coal mines. Which, which, by the way, I can only think of Devo singing that song. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, so once the Madrid robbery happens, then Sam and, and Jean-Pierre figure out that the connection between the two places is the, the Muppet Tour. Which, by the way, the, the poster that they do for the Muppets World Tour, I want that as a t-shirt. That was awesome. It, I know. I, I want the poster. I want to hang it up in my office, and I want a T-shirt of it. I was not so. on the website either. I was so sad. I, went, I like immediately went to go see what downloads were on the website because honestly, I would change out my uh, Alex Ross uh, Avengers picture. That's my lock screen on my iPhone for that if I could find it. Yep. No, it was great. But um, I, I really enjoyed the interrogation song. I mean, again, I, I'm with you, Todd. I don't know what it was called, but the interrogation yes, of Sam that's and John. That's literally what it's called. It's oh, interrogation it? song. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go with a clever title. <laughs> I don't think they needed one. It's you know why? Because if it had a clever title, it wouldn't have worked nearly as well. Because you have to remember, it's it's the it's the Jean Paul Napoleon and Sam the Eagle doing it. I think it's fine just being called an interrogation song. Yep, agreed. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how they how they finally decide to conclude that it must be Fozzie because nobody is that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also have to give a shout out because um, this has several, like as far as the way that it's written, it definitely harkens back to several other musicals. Um, if you listen to The Corrupt Bargain from the musical Bloody Blade Andrew Jackson, it's almost exactly like as far as the, the rhythm of it is almost exactly the same. And it's also very similar to They Both Reach for the Gun from Chicago or basically anything that Harold Hill sings in Music Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, back to what you're saying about, about Fozzie and, the, and the, him being so stupid. I think that's the line that they are, are not understanding, I think, Boban and Staller. Like, I feel like they got it much more right in this film than in the last one. But, like, if you juxtapose, like, the scene that we talked about in Great Muppet Caper where Kermit and Piggy are invading John Cleese's house and how that's such an idiotic thing to do and it's played so straight – it's like the Muppets are being dumb, but they play it straight, 
versus in here, they sort of make fun of the fact that they're dumb. And I think that's the fine line you have to walk with the Muppet humor, if that makes sense, right? Like, yes, they're complete idiots, but you can't point that out. Yeah. You have to just play it straight. Well, and another great example from The Muppet Show is the Madeline Kahn episode where uh, Gonzo falls in love with Madeline Kahn, and they treat his feelings as being genuine. And right. the moment that he finds out that she doesn't have feelings for him, it isn't like it's it's a little bit of a laugh thing throughout the episode. But when he finds out that she just doesn't care for him and would never marry him, it's he has he has a very heartfelt moment. It's right. it doesn't continue to be a joke after that. It's oh, you know, this is a real character that you know has had his heart broken. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's the 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 tone that they haven't quite got yet. Um, because like, like Kermit and they make this emotional connection at the very end of this film of, you know, Oh, Kermit was gone and that's what we needed. But it's more like, well, yeah, we knew that was the theme of the movie. All right, let's get on to the crazy gags again. Right. The, the emotional, like the moment at the end of the Muppet movie where Kermit makes the speech to doc Hopper about like, if you want to kill me and my friends, well, I guess you, you just better do it, but I feel sorry for you. Like, that moment isn't in these last two movies. I will say the, the scene when I, when Tina Fey shows up to drag him back to prison and everyone starts saying, you'll have to take me back as well, I kind of was waiting for that Doc Hopper <laughs> moment where he would he would look at, she would look right. at them and go, okay, you're all coming back to prison with I, me. <laughs> I was as well, yes. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, the next step on the tour is Dublin where uh, Fozzie and Walter figure out what's going on. Um, it, Fozzie actually finds out that bad guy, or Walter rather, finds out that bad guy is paying critics to write reviews and, and stuff the venues. Uh, Fozzie realizes that Kermit and Constantine are one and the same and so they figure out what's going on. Manage to escape when Animal fends off Constantine and they jump onto another train and have to go find Kermit. <laughs> Also, the reference to uh, Jim Jaws from James Bond in this scene. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where the teeth for came no from reason this. whatsoever. No, yeah. he they're just sitting on his desk and he shoves it in his mouth. I'm like, what? What is going on? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the the plan is then uh, animal fast. And Walter are heading off to rescue Kermit. Um, and I'm not 100% certain why they know that he's in the gulag, other than the fact that Constantine's here, so he must be in the gulag. I didn't spend more than two seconds thinking about it, but it was just kind of weird. No. By the, by the way, the, the like I said earlier, the, the trek to uh, the gulag through Siberia is one of my favorite sequences of the movie. Um, it, it not just references one of the greatest movies of all time, but it also references one of the worst and the same scene. Right, because you have a Lawrence yes. of Arabia trekking, then they go, then they, then they go from Lawrence of the Arabia, they go to Ishtar. Yes. In the same. <laughs> I, 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 that is genius juxtaposition. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> well, and well, the fact that they go from from desert to snow back to desert, pretty great. Well, well. It it is a misconception that most of Siberia is covered with snow. There, it is actually a, a desert. Well, but it's got some other name. It's not desert, but it's it is a desert, as right. it, it just happens to have snow in places. 
while we're talking about favorite scenes, can we talk about the recreation of a chorus line in the prison? <laughs> oh, genius. <laughs> I was I was sitting in the back of the theater just cheering. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were about to call security on me during this sequence because they have the choreography, they have even Tina getting up and singing the I really need this job line. Oh, so so perfect. Also, my yeah. favorite my favorite thing about all the stuff with the prisoners when they're going through all the training with Kermit and the scene and stuff like that is literally Every time the camera cuts away and cuts back to them, they are wearing some a completely different set of matching outfits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I literally enjoy more than anything else. Oh, no. I mean, like, that's the thing. that The Kermit and Tina Fey pairing is, is pretty great once they get past the initial, you know, uh, uncomfortableness of Kermit being there and, and him trying to escape, which although his escape attempts and her popping out of everything, uh, really funny. So we get then to the big climax of the film, which is Constantine proposes to Miss Piggy. Uh, apparently, they need to get married at the Tower of London, uh, and they're going to use this as a distraction to steal the crown jewels. Now, I don't understand precisely why the wedding has to take place at the Tower of London, uh, why they need that as the distraction. Like, the the whole wedding thing just kind of threw me for a minute. Like, why it had to be that way? Why it had to be a wedding? I think just to prevent them from having to actually break into the Tower of London itself, because once they're inside, then they only have to deal with the security of the vault. That the crown jewels, no, I have no idea if the crown jewels are really in a vault or not. I imagine they are, but I have no honest idea. Um, But I, so, you know, because otherwise they would have had to break into the Tower of London and then into the vault. So I think it was like a way to get themselves past the first part of security. Well, I have, I have have a problem with the wedding happening in the first place because this movie has made references to Muppets Take Manhattan and specifically the closing number is literally together again. Yep. Um, but they seem to have forgotten that Kermit and Miss Piggy got married in that movie. Yep. Even though it, it happens in a show, but it's a real priest. Yep. That's the whole joke. Yep. Right. I'm with Rachel, I'm with Rachel on that one. But I, <laughs> but, but I think what, if you read further interviews, and you may want to find them, Rachel, is Kermit is insisting... That that was only for the movie, and that was that was not that never happened. Yeah. Okay. See, I would have been okay with that if they had had some, like, even just a throwaway line in the movie. Um, like the fact that I have to go into interviews. I mean, that's that's good that they explained that in it, in interviews, but I wish they would have put something referring to it in the movie. I agree. One thing that we didn't. Uh touch on during the prison scene is that if you look in the background, besides the fact that you, like you said, you got Ray, Ray Liotta Hornswoggle from wrestling as prisoners, a lot of the prisoners around are Muppets, and if you look they're all the bad guy Muppets that were on the pirate ship in Muppet Treasure Island. You have one of the guys from the Muppets actually. I and the Muppets, and that's right and the one Muppets guy, you're right Cheryl <laughs> with the, the one that uh, played the Miss Pig, was the Miss Piggy lookalike that was yep. in, oh, yeah, that was yeah, the guy yeah. in drag. He's in the prison too. So I, I thought it was a clever reuse of you know the bad Muppets staying bad Muppets. I kind of I kind of like that. Well, while we're talking about the prisoners, also Jermaine Clement, 
who is Brett McKenzie's co-star from Fly of the Concords, is in this one. Yeah. By the way, they're touring again. Yes, I heard. <laughs> but yeah, the the wedding is a distraction. So bad guy, bad guy has the locket and the key that he's stolen from from Dublin and Madrid, uh, and he gets the the babies, the creepy babies. They're called Bobby Benson's Baby Band. Yes. Um, <laughs> like the the. So Stoller admitted, and, and Bobin admitted, like, they basically just threw these guys in because they found them creepy and they wanted to use them. And they were in the Muppet shop, so they're like, we want to use these guys. They also there's threw, really no point. They also threw fuzzles in at one point. Yeah. You, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that you haven't seen in years in some cases. Well, well, that was, I mean, not to sidetrack us, but that's what we do. Um, that's how Robin ended up in the movie, is basically they had the joke, the Rizzo joke, was meant only for Rizzo, and they just had Robin sitting there, and there and Bobin was like, "Well, throw Robin, somebody grab Robin, and let's throw him in there too." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. By the oh, way, what am, do, do you know what we forgot? What Miss Piggy's big number? I was oh, yeah. gonna, I, was, I, I was literally going to say the same thing. That's hysterical. <laughs> uh, can, can I say that I could not believe how funny this scene was? First of all, did you see how she was credited in the movie, Celine Dion? No. no. She is not Celine Dion in the credits. She is Piggy Fairy Godmother. <laughs> in the credits. <laughs> so I thought that was I thought that was funny. But uh it this I I'm not like everybody knows Celine Dion, you know what I'm saying? But like I'm not like a huge fan, like I don't go out of my way for it or anything like that. But this song is brilliant. The The images that they have, the stuff with the babies in the past, it works really well because she's um, seriously doubting how easy it is for the marriage, right? Which is something we were kind of sort of touching on, right? Yeah, that's well, right. Here, here, here's, the, here's the remarkable thing about all this, right? Because we did talk about Muppets Take Manhattan, okay? Is that in Muppets Take Manhattan, she tricks him into marrying her, Right. Yeah. And so yeah. when she's essentially, she thinks it's Kermit and she's being tricked into it and she doesn't, and, right? And so essentially she, the tables have turned on her and she's having serious doubts. It's, it's so smart when you think about it, right? In terms of, I, I think this is a really well-written idea is, is giving Piggy doubts instead of having her rush full force into it. Yeah, I agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Well, I also have to throw out there, uh, in, in the Muppets, they had the whole notion of Muppet or a man and uh, a, um, someone having a, human, a Muppet having a human counterpart. I, think, I can't think of a, someone else closer to Miss Piggy than Celine Dion, if you're going to pick a human counterpart for Miss Piggy. I yeah. agree. Totally yeah. does. Well, except for, except for the fact that I don't know that Celine Dion knows Kung Fu. That's true. <laughs> wait, wait, why aren't why aren't they headlining together in Vegas? Good question. This needs to happen. Good point. It, we should also mention, by the way, that uh, world famous designer Vivian Westwood did Piggy's gowns throughout the movie. Yes. Right? Uh, including the wedding gown, which apparently. People are actually trying to get a version of this wedding gown made for their own wedding gowns. Apparently, the wedding dress was hugely popular. If you if it's if what's going on online about it, just look it up. It's it's uh, 
it's called I can't remember what it's called, but it's got a corset and people love the corset and the V that it makes. And they're like, I'm like, whoa, okay, it's a pig's wedding dress. I just want to let you all know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, duck soup reference. That does seem odd. Duck Duck soup soup reference. Yes. Yes. Uh, The mirror scene with Kermit and Constantine right out of duck soup. Yes. <laughs> I I thought that was also great. I, you know, you might as well have a great comedian pay pay homage to a great comedian. That's how I look at it. True. Very true. Uh yeah, so but it this whole the whole wedding sequence like other than the fact that like again, like for me I I didn't really understand why it had to be a wedding. Um it's it's very very funny because there's it's 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 gag after gag after gag like rapid fire there's you know the usher gag that we mentioned of of usher being the usher uh there's the babies that show up for no good reason there's uh, uh you know you you have as things are, are getting underway Fozzie, walter and animal showing up at the gulag and the whole coal miner scene that takes place right before the wedding starts um <laughs> you know it's it's just all, all of this like really funny stuff coming into the the buildup of Kermit and Constantine showing up at the same time in the in the chapel with Miss Piggy, and like I thought that was the the best emotional yet funny moment of the film where Piggy asks, you know, do you want to marry me? And she determines that the one that's the real Kermit is the one who kind of stammers and, and dances around it rather than the one who says yes. Like I thought, <laughs> okay, okay, you guys get it then. That's that's exactly right. Yes. Then, he wants to marry her. Just you know, someday maybe you know if the time's right and circumstances are right and you know. <laughs> just just not that moment. Maybe don't know. Right. <laughs> the wedding ring is the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I I love how it has an LED with a countdown on it too, and and nobody notices. Because <laughs> if you if you it's right. it's pretty much there for a long time in the scene, and I really didn't. I saw I saw something shiny. It didn't didn't make sense to me that it was numbers until he says it's the bomb. Then I said, oh, but it's been counting down the whole time. Yes. Yeah, that was I I enjoyed that quite a bit. The lemur outfit. <laughs> I knew he was the lemur. I really didn't think it was going to be a lemur outfit. I think the reason why I like that joke so much is that so much of Ricky Gervais' humor usually relies on making fun of other people. So it was kind of nice to see him making fun of himself and putting himself in such a ridiculous situation. I like how he's stroking his tail. Because <laughs> you know, like all the bad guys, like uh, Blofeld, right? Blofeld, did I, did I get that one right? From James Bond, where he's got the cat. Yeah. Right. Like that. That's what. It, that's what I think it's supposed to be like. It's just it's cute sitting in the thing. <laughs> Helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, as as the bad guys start to get away, uh, you know, the Muppet Ladder comes into play as uh, Piggy is uh, stolen and put into the helicopter, and the Muppet Ladder is what saves her. Uh, as they manage to hook Gonzo's beak around the the end of the the I, I don't know what you call it. Is it a strut on the helicopter? Um, I don't know. 
<laughs> That's good to me. Landy thing. I'm going with Landy thing. No? Not uh, Landy. Sure, I, I guess. <laughs> the Landy thing. The big blue wet thing. You know, it's it's Muppets. Indeed. See, that's my point. But uh, the Muppet Lovers, it, it's so. This is their version of the human Muppet that they do in in the in the last movie. This is the the same gag, just done slightly differently. In this movie, basically, is how I look at this. Yeah, you're right. It's it's like the Muppet Man from the last one. Yeah. Uh, but they do manage to stop them, uh, get Constantine and bad guy arrested. Um, and you think the movie's going to be over at that point. But uh, no, Nadia shows up and is getting ready to arrest Kermit and take him back to the gulag because he escaped. Uh, and like you said, Rachel, there's a Spartacus moment of, you know, if you're going to take him, you got to take me. Uh, and no, you got to take me too. And yeah, I was expecting them to all... I'll go to prison and end up in the prison at the end of the movie, like they ended up singing at the end of the movie, uh, because that would be a very Muppets thing to do, just have all the Muppets in prison at the end of the movie. Yeah, and they could do a nice throwback to uh, Blues Brothers. The ending with them uh, all in the prison doing yeah, Jailhouse right. Rock. Oh yeah, you're right, they could have done that. Well, they kind of sort of did, except they weren't trapped there. Yeah. Right. They weren't, they weren't prisoners, they were more like the USO at that point. Um, also, I, by the way, I just wrote in my notes, Josh in the Box. I know we mentioned it already, but that was what I wrote yeah. in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that it's kind of funny to have a sweat box in what is with snow outside. I thought that was like a weird juxtaposition, but hey, you know, whatever. Um, it, this is not quite... This is a reprise of Together Again rather than exactly Together Again because they go together again again, right? Right. Yep. So uh, that's that's a mo- but that's actually a throwback to the fact that this was originally supposed to be called The Muppets Again, and you remember because we got posters to that for a while until like sometime last year when they changed it to The Muppets Most Wanted. Yep. Right. So that was a throwback. Yeah, I think the the Josh Groban. Uh, cameo was supposed to be something that was supposed to be a big surprise, kind of like um, in the Muppets when Jim Parsons showed up. But unfortunately, that that cameo was spoiled for me. So I knew going in that Josh Groban was going to show up somewhere. I just didn't know where. Yeah, I, I didn't know he was in the movie at all. So when he popped out of the box, I, it was. That, I was like, that was funny. I was, and then he popped back right back in. It's like yeah, out in. He pushes him back in. <laughs> The um the thing about them like her licking the them all being stuck on the wall at the at the end too is clever you know because it it kind of sort of that whole joke about you know the metal poles poles and stuff like that like going back to a Christmas story right so yep yep it, it was it was I like the ending uh. <laughs> <laughs> poor Nadja uh, yeah and then of course we have the end credits which is a nice nod to to Muppet Vision 3D. <laughs> you know, like I, I remember, you know, like when you have the pre-show of Muppet Vision 3D where they're pulling things up yes. from the from the uh, the logo and everything, uh, and that's basically what they do with the credits, Sweetums and Fozzie and others pulling things up. Dr. Bunsen, how do you do making it work? 
Um, by the way, yes, I'll, I'll, also at, at the very end, Fozzie does do a shout out to his ma, which is a very uh, <laughs> common occurrence throughout Muppet history. Is is we've we've actually seen Ma Bear a few times on the Muppet Show. One entire episode of the Muppet Show is actually dedicated to Ma Bear being in the audience. Right? Remember that's the episode where Fozzie jumps into every single skit, whether he belongs there or not. Well, I think she also makes an appear- a brief appearance in uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah, she she may. I, but what I'm saying is, it's throughout throughout history. I'm just saying that's probably the the for people who really you know who are watching for a long time Muppets, they might remember that episode. But yeah, she makes a she he constantly refers to her though, and so I thought it, he's like, you can go home now, Ma, because only only his mother would stay for the credits. Was what kind of what I thought he was saying, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, and then the dedication to to Jane Henson and Jerry Nelson at the end. So. And Ty and I were debating this. Um, any, any, we, and we weren't sure. Um, does anyone know if they finished too late for the son to be mer- mentioned? I figured Rachel would know the best of this because she's the closest in the film industry. I actually don't know about that. Okay. Yeah, I suggested that they, it might have just already been in the canon too late to go back and change up at that. Yeah. Point. Because that happened really recently. Yeah, it right in the last few months. I mean, they could have already been distributing, but distributing it by the time it happened. So. Yeah, I bet you anything that when the Blu-ray and DVD come out, there'll probably be a mention. Yeah. I figure probably they'll just do next movie. Yeah. Well, depending on when the next movie happens, they said at this point, uh, James Bobbins like, I'm going to take a little bit of a vacation before making the next Muppets movie. Yeah, because he literally had no break between this movie and the last movie. He just went from one right into the other. Really? So, wow. Yeah. And we had a two-year break. Yeah. That's interesting. And con- consider that um, The Muppets was actually his first feature-length film and his first time working with puppets. And just how quickly he's adapted to that and how good of a job he actually did on this movie. And both films, in fact. So, yeah, that was the end of uh, Muppets Most Wanted. But just like uh, Beauregard driving the train backwards, we're going to back up and talk about Party Central, the the Monsters University short, which I thought was hilarious. Um, And, in fact, I actually, I think, liked it better than the movie. I disagree with that. I I was a I was a big proponent of Monsters University. Um, I thought it was very funny, but I would not put it on the same level as the the original film. Okay, so, I I I liked it a lot. I thought it was very funny. Um, the mom was always one of my favorite characters from Monsters University. So seeing her get this that big role, I, yeah. <laughs> The whole concept of door jamming, by the way, has to be probably <laughs> the biggest win I think Pixar has had in a while for any concept. <laughs> I, well, it, I, it felt like a throwback to uh, the original Monsters, Inc., when uh, when there's the whole gag of them having to go in and out of the doors that are in different countries. and um, well, it that, was, was, that would be a throwback to be forward. Because this is yeah. this is this, this is before Monsters <laughs> Monsters Inc. Yes, yeah, in all technicality, it is yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's very funny. It's it's 
It's kind of like, um, I mean, there are gags and they're talking, but I kind of sort of feel it's a little like more like silent movie slapsticky. If you, if you think about how they go through the trouble of getting all the people from the one party to their party. Right, yeah. With, with right. using the doors to walk through the people's bedroom, I think is mm-hmm. like, it's it's such a simple conceit. Like, there's nothing really, like, there's no real, um, you know, it's not like A to B to C in the in the, in the the short. It's just, this is what, this is the conceit, and we're just going to play with it as many different ways as we can. Um, but it's a great conceit. <laughs> I, yeah, and and the way it ends with the with the wanting to go sleep with the kid is uh, <laughs> the parents the parent so to for people who haven't seen it it's just it's the parents' room it's not a kid's room right so after making the big joke about you know adult human the whole reference to adult humans at the end of um, Monsters University so what they do is they have the main entrance and the closet door and they've hooked two of the doors up that are like what they're like. 10 feet apart right <laughs> and uh that's that's and so the whole door jamming thing it's like i i can't get over how smart that was i get that it's you're right it's absolutely a reference to them going between all the different countries and stuff and right. but but it's still it it's the whole concept of doing it the way she does it where she jumps in one door and out the other right next to it yes <laughs> Also, it, it it reminded me a lot of um, from the original Ghostbusters when she opens up the fridge, and it's you know a portal to another realm. Just when yes. uh, when he opens up the door and sees all these monsters, <laughs> and doesn't oh, yeah. realize that they're not going to hurt him or anything. It's just this terrifying moment of what am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, to be fair, if you saw dark shadows and fire in your closet, you'd probably be darn freaked too. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, also, Arch's uses of the door are amazing, right? Because he's primarily at one point he's like the only one getting the, all the people and stuff to go over. So, like you know, he's he's like closing the door on top of people as they go into the floor. He's opening it up underneath them. I. It's just amazing. It, you know what it is? It's kind of sort of like uh, when you play the game Portal, right? Have you ever played that game? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like the new version of Portal. Like, somebody needs to make this game. Oh, yeah. You're right. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be a great Monsters Inc. Uh, Monsters U or Monsters Inc. game. Yeah. So, there. I came up with it. Patent pending. No, not really. I can't because I don't know this stuff. Oh my gosh! If they threw that into Disney Infinity, I would buy it. Oh, <laughs> oh! I, the Monsters University world in Disney Infinity is pretty sweet. I will say, I yeah. played it over the weekend. All right. Uh, so, if if nothing else to say about Party Central, let's rate that short, and then we will rate Muppets Most Wanted. So, uh, one to five on Party Central, real quick. Cheryl, what about you? I'll go five. I thought it was really good. I really liked it. All right, Todd. I'm going to go four and a half, but I do feel uh, that it was probably one of the best shorts that Pixar has put out in years. Shorts, not movies, shorts. Right. Rachel? I'm going to actually go a little bit lower on this. I'm going to go with three and a half. I, I really liked it. I thought it was very funny, but I don't think it's my favorite short that Pixar has come out with. 
All right, I'm I'm going to be uh, with with the Perlmutter clan, and I will give it a five. I I laughed hysterically. thought it was thought it was really great. Um, it's not the most craft worthy. Like it's not as good as the umbrella short that we had, the blue umbrella, or some of those others. But uh, really, really funny. All right. Uh, so then over to Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, we will rate that one. I will let Todd go first on this one. Uh, sure. One to five, Todd. Uh, one to five. I did not go back and I meant to, but I didn't go back and listen to what I gave for the Muppets. So I, I figure for the Muppets, I must have said like a four or four and a quarter. And so um, I'm going with uh, 3.75 for this. I I feel like it's it's strong and it's good and I really enjoy it, but it's got a lot of problems comparatively. Yeah. Okay. And um, and not bad, not in bad ways, because again, you know, so what? It's not a four. I mean, it's three point seven five. It's still an awesome rating. It's better than most critics are giving it. <laughs> that's, that's that that is very true. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Um, it's it's. I feel like if it does, if we do get a third movie sometime soon, I really feel like it's gonna hit the mark on everything. Though I feel like they're right there. Like they pulled away from Siegel, and yeah. they got a, and they but they had to find the. Um, the Muppets on their own, which I think they did in this movie, and I think now that they have them, I want to see what they do next. Yeah, I'm w- I'm I am with you on that. Uh, okay, Rachel, what about you? I'm going to give this a four. I I liked the soundtrack for this overall better than the Muppets, even though there are individual songs from the Muppets that I think might be better or at least more memorable. Um, I think that I'm enjoying the soundtrack a lot more than some other people I've spoken with because I'm much more of a show tunes person. So if you like traditional musical comedies, I think that the soundtrack's really going to appeal to those sensibilities. And cameos are all perfect. Um, The only reason why I'm not giving this a five is because five goes to the Muppet movie. And that just has the full package. And this has a few, you know, sort of emotional moments, but it doesn't. It doesn't get to where the Muppet movie does as far as hitting that sweet spot. So solid four, definitely recommend it. All right, Cheryl? I'm going to stick with that four. That sounds like a good number for this. Um, I really don't think it was a five either. Um, I definitely think it lacked, I don't know, a panache, a punch. I don't know which one it lacked more. Um, I I did think it was great to bring like Frufu back, someone we haven't seen, well, a Muppet we haven't seen in ages. Um, so it was nice bringing some of his peas past in with us. I I'm I'm interested now to see where we're gonna go. If we're gonna go to um, a, a ma- remaking a story as like we've suggest- like like it could be done, or are they gonna go with another another ex exploited into like Manhattan? Space, Star Wars. I mean, they could do that now. Yeah, it's true. They could do a lot of different things. That's right. The Pigs in Space movie. They could have superheroes. Superhero Muppets. Muppet superheroes. It's true. They could have the uh, the Muppet Avengers crossover we've all been waiting for. Muppets of the Galaxy. Yeah, right. Um, so, basically, I am uh, right there with you. Yes, I would give this probably a three and a half or something like that. Um, you know, I think it's it's basically you know I have my issues with the way that the the current crew portrays the Muppets as we we've, we've touched on, but uh, it's 
really, really funny. Um, and I think that makes up for a lot of mistakes. If the Muppets are funny, then you can get by with a lot of stuff. And I think they, they are in this film. Um, there were points in it that I lost the thread a little bit. And like you said, Todd, there's some problems. But, you know, it's it's fun. It's a fun movie. Um, I went with the whole family, and we had a great time. So I think it was it's well worth it if you guys haven't gone out to see it yet. All right, so that is our discussion of Muppets Most Wanted and Party Central. Uh, if you have not gone to see them, again, we recommend it. And if you agree with us or disagree with us after you have seen it, please let us know. Go over to DisneyFilmProject.com and leave a note in the show notes. You can also go and check with us on Twitter at DisFilmProject. And we are on Facebook, Disney Film Project, um, And you can email us, DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to listen to the show in a variety of ways, you can do that. Um, Diz Dad's Radio is now streaming the show, so you can check us out there. You can go to Stitcher, and you can always listen to the show there. And, of course, we are always on iTunes. Make sure you go and leave us a review if you like the show or you don't like the show. Let us know. Uh, go ahead and put that on the iTunes review. We would really appreciate it. Uh, it helps people find the show. Um, tell other people about the show. That would be great as well. And don't forget, we're giving away... Frozen. This is a very t- limited time, people. So if you're la- acting this and you've heard this like next month, we're sorry. Maybe we'll be giving something away then. Um, this lands like April what, 14th, 13th, something like that. So if you want to copy of Frozen, we have a giveaway going out. It's on our on our webpage. Um, we have ways to enter. So. Many different ways. So, um, we do ask that you do follow us on Twitter as a mandatory. So, let's make yourself a Twitter account, sign up, follow us, and do some mail entries and enter the winner copy of Frozen. All right. So, then until next week, uh, when we will be talking about another fine Disney film uh, for Cheryl and Todd and Rachel, I'm Ryan, and we will see you soon. Wait a minute. You mean we can quit the Muppets? Hi, Kermitty Frog here. Die, Muppets? I can't believe the reviews are out this early. The lovers, the dreamers, and cheese. Sorry, I was trying to calm him down. <laughs> Give him a second. Jasper, I, I'm sure you you didn't see the movie. You can't really comment. Special the